Direct snap. Brooks trying to make something happen. He breaks free. Kennedy Brooks says, forget the field goal. Win it with a touchdown. What happens on this field of this rivalry is remembered forever. Um, we've got to bounce back next week. We've got another uh, great football team coming to coming to DKR um, with an opportunity to uh, to get ourselves right before the bye, um, which I think we will. Um, you know, I think I love the heart and desire of our team, the mentality of our team. Um, but this is uh, this uh, this one hurts. Well, the story from the Cotton Bowl yesterday was a familiar one to Husky fans as the Texas Longhorns, led by former Washington coach Steve Sarkeesian, took a 28-7 lead in the first quarter of their game against Oklahoma. But the second half was a different story, i.e. all Oklahoma, and the Longhorns suffered an epic collapse to lose to the Sooners 55-48. to And second-half collapses were common under Sark when he was the head coach at Washington, and history certainly repeated itself yesterday. Um, on a day that the Washington Huskies didn't play, came probably the most entertaining Saturday of the season so far. Number one, Alabama went down to defeat a Texas A&M. Third-ranked Iowa nipped fourth-ranked Penn State, and Michigan went to 6-0 and with a win over Nebraska. Uh, but joining me today are co-hosts Joey Dangerously and Willie Doog. And gentlemen, with the idea that some Texas fans will be listening to this uh, episode, uh, do you have any thoughts or words of advice to pass along to them as they're uh, now starting to kind of come to terms with the Sark era? We'll start with you, Joey. I'd start banning alcohol <laughs> in the state of Texas. <laughs> unless, you want, unless you want your coach to go. Uh <laughs> <laughs> or or uh, put put discounts on Patron really quickly. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was gonna say I'm sure he uh, I'm sure he said post game that he thought they played they they fought hard they battled uh, a lot of the other sarcasms you know they they played with toughness and just didn't come out in the end you know. Yeah, uh, I love the tweet I saw from the guy who uh, was the editor of Pacific Tapes when I was there. He said, first half, Sark against bad Pac-12 teams. Second half, Sark against good Pac-12 teams. Uh, get used to it, Texas fans. And that's exactly what it was. It was just like that first half, he had you believe in. You're like, man, like, Texas, Sark, maybe this is going to work out. Second half, you're like, oh, uh, I think there was that, and there was that perfect like exchange. It was like Oklahoma had a really crazy touchdown and two point conversion to tie it, and I think the very next play in the opening kickoff, their kick returner got stripped, and then the next play, I think Oklahoma immediately ran in for a touchdown, and the game was over. Uh, and you're just like, I feel like that's kind of like the Sark, you know? He probably it's going to eventually happen with his sobriety. You know, you're probably going to think everything's going to be okay, and then one night, you know, he's going to down some. Pot- shots and it's all going to be over uh i i feel for texas i think in the the rivalry of you know texas oklahoma michigan ohio state it, it mirrors a lot washington and oregon to me where i feel like washington's texas washington's michigan and vice versa where you know everything suggests that texas should 
be a better program than Oklahoma and they should win. But I feel like Oklahoma is kind of more of a scrappy, like they do whatever it takes to win than Texas. And it, it sucks to be a fan of the team that's not that program. So I'm sorry, Texas, uh, I, I'm pulling for you, but fuck, you should have hired somebody else. <laughs> I think it's like that with, with uh, Tennessee and Florida too, where like Tennessee just not, everything Florida, even in a down year, Florida still beats Tennessee. I don't, I don't think people West, you know, really, unless you're a big college football fan, really know that how big that rivalry is between those two. But, um, yeah, I think Tennessee has lost to Florida for like 10 or 15 years straight. <laughs> even, even when Florida has like just, you know, fucking Jim McElwain or whatever as a coach. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll beat Tennessee, you know. <laughs> no matter who um, Tennessee hires, it just turns to shit. Um, no, I was looking, I don't remember which board it was and I should have written it down, but I was, uh, this morning I was, uh, going through some threads on a, on a Texas message board and I didn't know what I, I didn't know really what to expect there, um, whether they'd be getting on Sark or, or what, but it was, uh, I wrote some notes down here of some threads that I saw that were, it gave me a chuckle though, because it kind of was uh, echoes of our own past when Sark was here, but, um, there were several threads, not comments, but threads where posters were blaming Oklahoma holding for the loss. <laughs> so, um, the posters were defending Sark, saying that the players let him down. And then there was uh, one post, which was my, my favorite. It said a poster. Let's see what I wrote here. Uh, oh, yeah, calling for Sark to, to have more time to get his own recruits in there and get Herman's recruits out of there. So uh, that that has a good shelf life. That'll last them two, three years there. So. <laughs> Oh right. Also, well, we have also quick Kowski. You have to. Oh yeah, Kawasaki, the, the great <laughs> Quit Kowski. I think my favorite, uh, my favorite handle is Quit Kowski. Q U I T Kowski. Quiet, 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 or quit. I thought it was quit, like Q U I T, because he fucking quit to go be our defense coordinator in the Big Twelve and give up fifty points a game with a stupid prevent defense that doesn't look good if you don't have, you know, NFL players at seven of your, you know, 11 starting positions. It's a front-running defense. Yeah. It's like, you know, get out to a lead and then, yeah, play your, you know, play your, your base nickel package and then just smother them. And and Sark is kind of that ultimate front running coach. Like when it's going good, like his players are are just front runners. Like it's going and going and going good, you know. And and then one bad thing happens, and then you could just see the collective, you know, oh shit, you know, come down across their faces. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, and and we we certainly endured our own. Um, you know, losses and collapses, you know, the 2012 Apple Cup where the Huskies had a 28-10 to 10 lead uh, late third quarter and lost 31-28. And, uh, and then my other there, – there were multiple, but the one that uh, really was a dagger to me was that if you guys remember, it was either 09 or 2010 in Arizona State down there at Tempe. Uh, we had the lead, 
and they had the ball at midfield with like five seconds left, and they throw a Hail Mary, and they had two wide receivers about five yards behind our defenders. Oh, yeah. They, yeah that uh, was... Nick, Holt, Nick Holt threw uh, yep. Victor Ayewa under the bus, and I think uh, that was probably Millen on the post game that said, like, you know, the only reason he would bail out of there is that they called it that he would bail out. So it was probably coaching staff that uh, – fucked him over with a bad call but yeah you can see right right in the play that Victor Iowa just bails goes and covers somebody else and left a guy in the uh, I think the third receiver just wide open down the seam so yeah I remember <laughs> and then it. At that, no I, I don't remember nothing that, about that game <laughs> <laughs> you know at that time I was uh, I was still it was just in, that was in the days before Hardcore Husky and I was still over at Dogman and I remember I made a post after that game that was, um, hey, I thought we, uh, I thought that Nick Holt was the greatest defensive coordinator in America. That's what Sark said or something like that. And then the post got deleted, and then I got a, a PM from uh, or an email from uh, Kim Grenolds telling me to knock it off. So, <laughs> <laughs> won't well, be tolerated. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think the Alamo Bowl uh, quickly. Oh. I think convergence of all those things of, you know, terrible defensive coordinating and epic meltdowns. Uh, I think the Alamo bowl was a lot like fit, fit the yesterday's red river rivalry to me. Yeah. 67, 56, uh, that, I think. Right. Yeah. And they had to, oh, I can't remember how much they were up by at one point, but it was at least I think 14 or something. I mean, we all know how that went, but yeah, that was a uh, <laughs> typical, start thing and the no defense that, thing. That was Baylor's run game that was um, killing them oh, in the oh, second oh. half of that game. They were running they were running just straight up the middle and running. They had an off tackle that went 90 yards, yards untouched. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I, I mean, Keith Price pretty much outplayed, you know, the Heisman Trophy winner in that game. I mean, Keith Price played – that was – that was probably his best game he ever played. You oh, know, yeah. but yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he played great. Uh, looked like he wasn't scared at all. You know, for one game and couldn't you know couldn't pull it off. But I was going <laughs> to say on that on that 2012 Apple Cup. Do you remember when uh, Keith Price had that false start when he bobbed his head? <laughs> yeah. Have, have you ever have you ever have you ever seen that call ever? <laughs> Nope, never. Not before and not since. <laughs> Tom Brady's been doing it for 20 years. <laughs> you never see that call get flagged. But, but remember, we, don't let the Cougs, the Cougs, don't let the Cougs it up. come back on you. The Cougs tied it up, sent it to overtime, and then uh, and I and I I always liked Keith Price. I didn't have problems with him, but he goes out there for the uh, overtime coin tip, and he's out there with a the big giant grin on his face. You remember that? Yeah, and, and I was like, "What are you doing?" Uh, well, he wasn't. I, he wasn't. He wasn't letting Gino Simone beat you. <laughs> beat you on the, <laughs> across the middle in the second half. <laughs> well, uh, I, I don't think he would mind me telling the story, but I, I remember I was talking with uh, Dave Hoffman before the Alamo Bowl and uh, just kind of touching base and. 
you know, let's hope let's hope for a good game. Let's hope we can get a win and all this. And then I call them after the game with the, you know the second half complete meltdown defensively, and then we lose sixty seven to fifty six. And then and I said, hey, you know, Hoff, how you doing? And uh, what did you think of that second half? And he said, he said, ah, Derek, I didn't even watch the second half, buddy. I just I went out and mowed the lawn. <laughs> so, so, anyways, uh, all this to say is that um, uh, it's still the same old Sark. Other than he's looking pretty healthy, I have to say. Um, and uh, so there's that. And we'll we'll move on to the next topic unless you guys have anything further you want to add. No, I'm good. No, you go for it. So. But I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on Alabama going down in the way that they did. That was pretty interesting. Great game. Great ending, great game. I'll, you know. Yeah, I, I, I watched the uh, – I just watched uh, bits and pieces of it and then caught the end of it. But uh, I don't know. I don't really – I don't really think there is any dominant team in college football this year. There's – like a lot of Isn't that Georgia, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, Georgia. Yeah, forgot about Georgia, but uh, I don't know. Georgia probably get beat by Bama, so you know it's like that. That's a monkey they can't get off their back. Georgia, yeah, Georgia's pretty damn good. But so Jimmy Lake runs the table, that, wins the Pac-12 championship. <laughs> Oh, a three-loss team. Huskies become the first three-loss team to enter the college football playoff. <laughs> Race Bannon makes oh, everybody eat boy. shit. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Would, would anybody be excited for it? Oh, well, I mean, we, if, we, if they literally... That's obviously... Like, if they win eight games in a row and they're suddenly... In the and then they win the play, first playoff game and they're in the national championship game with an eleven and three record. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I think we'd still, fire, we'd still want to fire. We still want to fire the staff. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'll do well, be, there, even the, even Go ahead. The when the just when the North, I'll do. Uh, I'd be happy. Uh, my my bar is lowered, but I mean, we can get more into other stuff later. I guess because it's kind of similar to you know what I talked about. I mean, I think college football might end up being like college basketball, where weird programs you know can make the playoffs. Are you know like a Baylor like college basketball this year, just like a weird kind of like lower middle power five conference team wins a, a championship. I. I think we're headed that direction. So, a uh, three-loss team like Washington, to me, we might they might be making the playoffs before before you know it. Uh, you know, <laughs> well, not and, Washington, you know, and, not and, this fucking team, but someone right, right, like right. that. No. <laughs> and this whole nil thing, which is probably a conversation for another day, unless you guys want to get into it. But it's just there's all the. There's all the uh, signposts showing that uh, we're we're probably uh, going further and deeper into hell because um, uh, Oregon Oregon very soon if we don't make any drastic changes to what we're doing 
Uh, Oregon's going to be so far beyond us that we're we're just going to turn into whatever we've what have we compared ourselves to Minnesota or whatever. We're going to be that, and um, it's too bad too because we had we had a tease with the whole Peterson thing with going to the Rose Bowl stuff that maybe just maybe we were going to break through and into a new era, and uh, and then here we are, uh, we're on the highway to hell right now. So, and John Donovan's riding shotgun. So, uh, if you guys want to transition into the uh, Husky stuff there, because, um, uh, Wooly, I knew you wanted to talk about uh, Morris and that type of stuff, so. Yeah. Uh, the stage is yours. Well, can we go back and delete uh, our preview episode where we were all, you know, <laughs> I believe the topic was, is Dylan Morris finally going to be you know, the Husky quarterback that, you know, doesn't regress <laughs> and uh, break <laughs> oh, through. Right. He's, the, he's the quarterback that, you know, finally when, you know, the going gets tough, he actually thrives and he has some mobility. He's not the, the guy who, you know, even Locker who had, you know, great speed, but technically almost was not, not mobile because he was so, his instincts were so terrible. Uh, well, we were, I think we can safely say, uh, I'm not going to say Morris is absolutely, you know, uh, you know, the the problem. And I'm not going to say that he isn't pro- maybe the best quarterback in the roster, but he is absolutely not, uh, you know, a non-regressing quarterback who's going to, you know, take the next step for Washington. He is everything we feared uh, and more probably. I think we can all agree on that, right? <laughs> well, yeah, he looks, I, he looks like a practice. He looks like a practice player, you know, a, he does like a, a a scrimmage hero, you know. He probably gets in the game, and there's just other there's just other alpha dogs around him, and you know, wants to one up his teammates in practice, and then gets in the game and can't do it. He's the James Johnson of 2021, basically. <laughs> I, I thought James Johnson was going to break every record after that. Yeah. Uh, first, that first LSU game, I was like, "Holy shit! This is this guy is is legit. He's just a freshman. He's just a freshman. He's going to bring every break every receiving record there is at Washington." <laughs> and then uh, yeah. vanished. Then he felt <laughs> vanished. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, I sorry. Yeah, I think the practice thing is pretty dead on because, and I think it's a weird thing where last year, you know, he wasn't uh, Tom Brady, but he looked pretty good for what we expected. But I almost felt like even at home, being at that Montana game, I feel like the crowd, like he couldn't even handle a home crowd. I feel like he. And I do think, looking back now, I think those bad picks he threw against Montana are also really messed him up because now he's clearly coached uh, yes. to, you know, throw the ball away too much. And because legitimately those were bad picks against Montana. And if he does just play ball control, you know, football, they probably win that game. Uh, and, I mean, then the next week against Michigan, it looked like they were just uh, trying to, you know <laughs> – trying to not get blown out offensively with him at a quarterback. They didn't trust him to do anything until the game was basically over. Uh, 
And, I mean, he's just – I think the the combination of that Montana thing, the coaching of the way they played Michigan, probably destroyed his psyche. And now he's just nothing. Now he's just like, you know, a below-average Pac-12 quarterback uh, oh. without without anything, with no – nothing. On a below-average team. On a below-average team with – despite, you know, my, my new favorite thing is, you know, Dugues and – the Oregon dudes who I see on the boards and social media who keep talking about these teams being so loaded with talent. I'm like, none of this talent is perfect. <laughs> like, yes, we have a couple of highly recruits, uh, receivers that were, you know, good four-star recruits coming out of high school and the linemen, there were some, you know, mid to low four-star guys. That's not elite talent. Uh, you know, that's not like you just roll the ball out and, you know, these teams because, Composite-wise, they had, you know, they were, you know, the 19th best recruiting class in America uh, does not mean that you're these loaded teams. I mean, Morris does not have – watch Alabama. <laughs> watch, uh, <laughs> watch, you know, even A&M or, you know, those teams. It's not the same. They don't have – Morris is not working with just crazy talent. Not that, not that he's also not sucking himself, but it's not a roll the ball out there and – any quarterback can just step in and have guys wide open. His receivers are also not consistently that open. They did. They didn't even like really target uh, McMillan or Odunze hardly at all last week. Was there like five targets maybe between those two guys? Yeah, uh, they not much. It did. Yeah, it sounds they, about they, right. They had. Yeah, they they weren't even really targeting those two. Um, well, I mean, the Wildcat was working, you know, so well. The Wild Colombian <laughs> it was working so well, but uh, yeah, they weren't they weren't really uh, they weren't really targeting those two guys very much last week. I I don't know. They've got their. I I think they have talent. There's just there's just something in the water that's not there's something something not right with that team, you know, like they were almost too too overconfident or, you know, too hyped up or something weird about that that team right now, especially the O-line. I don't know. Well, imagine what kind of uh mind fuck it is that if you're a member of that team, and you see, like, throughout, um, you know, on one hand, you're you're looking uh, at, at Jimmy Lake, uh, you know, make kind of uh, bizarre, immature tweets, and he hires Donovan, which is a mind-scratcher, head-scratcher, I should say, and uh, promoting Bob Gregory to defensive coordinator, which just makes you want to pull your hair out. Um, and, and, and you have that type of thing going on. And then simultaneously he's Jimmy Lake's going around with a lot of swagger and talking about how this team has the possibility of getting into the playoffs and, and we got to be competing for this conference championship every year. And it's like, what I got to think that all those kind of comments actually compound things. And by the way, when you not only witnessing the hires and stuff, but you're seeing the horrible recruiting, you hear the wisp. I don't even follow recruiting that much. And, and I'm aware of the fact that there's, whispers and kids are saying things and and we're being mocked by Oregon and you know 
uh, in regards to our inability to recruit and stuff, and 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 they're certainly enjoying the the view of the implosion from down there in Eugene. And I think that uh, this year's game against them is probably going to be pretty ugly. Um, and what kind of a mindfuck must that be to the kids and just the absolute inauthenticity and fake bravado? Or the bravado itself is not fake, but the, the detachment from reality that Jimmy Lake is is demonstrated. Uh, I've got to think that. I don't want to say something without first-hand knowledge, but I just got to think that it's, it's a very dysfunctional locker room. But I don't know. Then you see the videos after we beat uh, – who was our second wind against this year? I'm drawing a blank. Cal. 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 And you see him – thank you. And you see him in the locker room. And I love you guys. And the guys are all cheering and stuff. So I don't know. But that's just my feel and my take on it that – um, they, they, I just don't see how they can they can respect him and have confidence going forward that we're going to be something special. And there's just too much, uh, it's just there's just too much smoke for there to not be a fire. I I don't doubt that the players love him. I don't I don't doubt that they love him. Uh, I wonder if there's burnout of the the defensive scheme they're running. I wonder if it just it's just gotten old even for the players. And how do you how do you go into film room on a you know, on a Monday or you know, whenever they go back and watch the film, how do you go in the film room and watch uh watch Asa Turner try to play and you're another player? how do you yeah. go in the film room and, and and be any confident after watching the film of of the game where you watch him purposely run away from contact and I, I I mean you have like Julius Irvin made a couple pretty decent plays uh, and then he was like gone last week and you know you can listen to the honks post game and they're they were kind of shitting on Alex Cook and I'm like you know Alex Cook I'm he's not Ronnie Lott but he looks like he's playing hard <laughs> and trying to hit people. You know, yeah. I, yeah. What, what are, are we too, like, are we afraid to, are we afraid to call out some of these players that sh- should not, should not even be suiting up? There's, there's, there's gotta be some, there's gotta be some kind of bitterness about that. You know, where it's trickling to players you know why is this? Why is this guy? I mean, why are all these linebackers transferring? Why are they transferring out? Because you continue to play Kyler Manu. So mm. there's there's something about there's something with that you know whole defensive scheme and the defensive staff that's I I think has got a serious rot going through the middle of it. I think they're also I I, I agree with your statement. Derek is saying too. I mean, I keep kind of waiting to see an obvious tell of that the team and the players aren't in it. But I kind of even picked a moment of like, you know, after they got the fumble to beat Cal, and you know, when McGrew got the touchdown to go ahead against Oregon State, I specifically thought Cam Davis going over and going crazy. And I'm like, if there was anyone on the team who should have bought out at that point? It's probably Cam Davis because I don't know if he ever should have been on the field again after that fumble. But and you know, basically. He's celebrating with a guy who took his job pretty much as opposed to, you know, someone like Spencer Rattler in that situation where you watch, you know, like, oh, this is bad. I'm waiting for 
the full buyout of the team. But yeah, I think momentum just got killed uh, for a lot of different or even reasons. Newton. You got to remember, yeah, Newton. You got to remember. Uh, I mean, last year we had won the North, and you know, I say we uh, had won the North, and then you know, everything goes wrong. <laughs> like suddenly COVID yeah. hits. You don't. Uh, you don't even get to play. Oregon goes. Oregon wins. Your recruiting dies. You know, I, I don't think it's you a congratulate thing. Oregon. Congratulate Oregon. Oh God! Yeah. You know, it, it was not a good time. You know, off season is really bad for a program like Washington, especially in the transition. You know, your last time you're playing real football, your coach quits after you go eight and five with a team that should have. I mean, that team should have won the Pac-12 at the very least that uh, 2019. You know, everything is momentum-wise. College football to me is all momentum and all coaching for the most part, and it's all been terrible for years now. So it's just got to be a weird place to be. I mean, you open up, you lose to Montana. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I'm worried that, you know, even in, during the season, at the end of the season, the whole team's going to transfer out. Uh, but apparently that didn't stop Michigan from <laughs> beating the crap out of <laughs> well, their whole team transferred out and they look better. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I just think it's other. I think it ultimately comes down to the fact that Jamie Lake's voice does not match his face. Uh and yes. that's what ruined everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I guess before we conclude, though, um, uh, one thing I want to bring up is that uh, it was quite interesting to see um, uh, Oregon State lose to Washington State. Uh, well, predictable. I, we, me, and Joey, <laughs> me and Joey had the text, I think, the week before, we were like, watch Cal after, you know, the Huskies beat Cal and Case Garbers looked like, uh, looked like, uh, looked like Robert. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. He looked like, he just looked like, yeah, he looked like peak Lamar Jackson. Uh, and we're like, watch Cal definitely gets just shelled by the Cougars and, uh, Garbers is a shell of a, of, of a man. Exactly. And then we're both like, guarantee you the, the Beavers are losing to the Coug. Uh, guaranteed, and of course they do. And also, shout out, I wanted to say earlier, I mean, you, I watched that game, and the Cougars had receivers open. I mean, for even when Huskies completed passes, it was just like, it had to be perfect because the guy was not open. And you're just like, how did the Cougars have guys without people five yards away from them? Oh, they have an offensive scheme. Uh, and set offensive yeah. scheme is designed to work in 2021 because it's not that fucking hard to get receivers open in 2021 and to protect the quarterback uh, a little bit, uh, you know, and yeah, I mean, we saw that coming a mile away. I'm looking at what the schedule is next week. I'm sure uh, I'm trying to think of which games, you know, which juiced up team that we're we're told Pac-12 team we're we're told is supposed to be, you know, the new Hercules. Oh, it's, uh, it's Arizona state now. Yeah. Now it's Arizona state. You knew like, yeah, Case in point, this week, you knew Stanford was going to lay an egg against ASU. Because uh, as much yes. as, you know, we enjoy watching Stanford beat Oregon uh, all the time, it, they, had, they have the same thing. David Shaw only coaches Stanford against Oregon and Washington and then takes the rest of the fucking year off. I'm sure, that, <laughs> I'm sure Duck fans feel the same way that, like, Husky fans do, where it's like, why, why do you only care about this game now? Why? Like, why every other game you lose by 17 uh, – but then you, for some reason, think your whole season is beating Oregon and Washington? 
Yeah, the uh, uh, yesterday uh, Cougs beating the the Beavers that that's been misleading the Cougar fans for you know like five years now. <laughs> is is they 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 catch a team right after they've played you know the Huskies or the Ducks and they beat them and they're like oh yeah we can compete and it's like well no you got a team <laughs> that's like beaten and had to had to, you know, try to grind out a win and stumble into your stadium where you're, like, rested up, and then they wonder why they can't win the Apple Cup or whatever. It's like, well, you know, the better team actually, you know, was was ready to play that day, so. Well, I, I wasn't, in my mind, I wasn't guaranteeing that Oregon State would lose to, to Wazoo, um, but I, I thought it was going to be a toss-up. So um, yeah, I figured to was, Washington you know? State. Yeah, um, but but I mean, I didn't go into it thinking that they were absolutely going to lose to Wazoo. So, um, and uh, you know, so now they Whoa. they sink back into the morass, and you know, it's just like all we needed was a moderately good Husky team this year, and we could have won the uh, the conference title easily, just like BYU in the Western Athletic Conference uh, of the nineteen eighties or something. You know, it would have been ten wins without any even a breaking a sweat. And um, it was right there. But uh, it's all oh, Peterson. Not only a, a, a ridiculously easy schedule combined with just a horrifically soft uh, conference from top to bottom. Um, Peterson shouldn't have quit. Yeah, I mean, quit. I don't know. Uh, he was done. I think the, he, he was he was done. Everything about college football is was not for him anymore. He was done. Well, and then the thing was like, and I, and I, you know, pat myself on the back, but I mean, you know, two years prior to that, I saw him where he just like, I was just like, that's just a guy that's not enjoying himself at all. And, uh, and I think he wants out, you know, but I don't fault him for have, you know, saying to himself, I just can't take this anymore. I need to step down. I totally get that. It's fine. My problem is just handing over the reins to, to Jimmy Lake without any due diligence and trying to go out into the marketplace and see if you can get um, somebody of, of a high caliber and high quality to come in and coach this football team. And, and instead we've handed this thing over to a just basically a uh, – I, I view him as immature, and I view him as in a – he just doesn't have – you can't check any of the boxes of what you want a, a college football coach to be other than appearance. He looks like a college coach and, you know, um, you know, wears the clothes well, handsome guy, he's charismatic and energetic. Beyond that, he's nothing. There's, you know, he's he's all hat, no cattle, as they say in Texas. And – um and now you know we're we're going to have to. I, I know Yellow Snow was complaining that that the uh, last week's podcast was uh, depressing or whatever, but it's <laughs> like, you know, the reality is, is that we're going to have to endure another year or two before before we can move on to another coach. And then by then, with the whole NIL stuff going on and the natural progression of things, are we going to be so far behind the curve that we're we're just done? You know. That, yeah, I don't. I don't know. In the, in this climate of this climate of the state, I don't know. If, you know, major businesses even give a shit about you know college football. I'm not sure if you can what? convince them to, you know, 
it'd be nice if you got a hold of somebody from Amazon, you know, like the biggest fucking company in the world. But. <laughs> well, what about my idea for Five Guys Burgers, uh, you know, sponsoring the offensive <laughs> line or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm into it. I... <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I kind of thought the NIL would actually make a lot more sense, and I don't think it's really going to work long term for anybody. Uh, hmm. Would be more like kind of like the BYU team wide sponsorships are tying in the team to more corporate sponsorships like Alaska Airlines pays to, you know, hmm. sponsor the field at Husky Stadium. Why isn't some of that split with the players? Uh, you know, that those types of things, like leveraging your – because to me, there's just not enough, especially in the Pac-12, there's not enough individual stars, guys, or even overall college football where it really makes sense for anybody to invest other than like a podunk, you know, local – car dealership bullshit type stuff are, you know, if randomly the world's biggest, uh, you know, sporting, sporting company happens to be tied to one program and the NCAA from day one never says like, Hey, this, this doesn't make any sense to allow this. But, uh, uh, I, I think that would be where Washington can leverage that, you know, leverage your market, but you know, we don't need to Amazon and Microsoft and Alaska airlines and shit doesn't get anything. We don't need to sponsor Trent McDuffie because who cares? Uh, but they certainly, you know, sponsor the stadium, you know, find things like that, find ways that make sense, you know, sponsor the, the sponsor the beer sales or stuff like that, but tie it into the whole team. Kind of like the BYU, I think, has done some of that. I was kind of thinking that's the way the NIL was going to go, but instead it's kind of been like this weird-ass, like, 1970s kind of high school feeling, like, rinky-dink shit where, mm. you know, we're going to throw random – things that, you know, guys that no one cares about. Uh, there's no, there's not a player in the player in the Pac-12 who any business outside of, you know, people like local business, family businesses and shit want to throw some cash at someone that anyone cares enough about to be an investment, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah that I was agree. long. That was I, long. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with no, you. No, it's fine. <laughs> I was just I was trying to think how to summarize or uh, uh, give a summation to that, but it's just kind of like the the just just the general culture uh, uh, around Husky football has changed from what it used to be, and we don't have there's rabid fans, but it's um, I don't you know I don't get a sense that there's like uh, uh, big name boosters putting pressure on Jim Cohen and and hanging around her office all the time, you know. Um, <laughs> It, it's and not like the old, the old days of Kenyon and Herb Mead and those guys, but no, it, it, um, like Jimmy posted a, after the I think the Michigan game, he just said he's so burned out of this program. It might have been the Montana game, but you know, it, there's, there's I'm people sorry, who are just burned out. J- Jimmy Cornell. Oh. He posted oh, it. He's oh, yeah. like, I'm so burned out of this po- program. He, you know, right after the Montana or the Michigan game, it's like, yeah, I, I don't blame you. I'm, I'm a little burned out of this program. It just, it just is, you know, it sucks the life out of you. You, you're, you wait seven <laughs> months for it. I mean, it, you know, bad, bad losses, bad decisions, and and I, I already like. I already passed on a theory to Wooly Duke earlier this earlier this week. Like if Jen has to make the 
you know, if she has to fire Jimmy and then has to make the next hire, like, you, you know, she's going to go, she's going to kind of panic and have some anxiety about it and rush into it. And she's going to, she's going to go have back good- to the well of something that worked. And it's just going to lead her to like Andy Avalos to, you know, to be the next head coach. So, I mean, if anybody could get well, excited about that, I don't, I don't know, you know. I'd take him over Jimmy at least. I would definitely. I would. Take him I, I probably would too. I, I saw. I <laughs> I just was watching. Uh, I was watching inside the college football, and I was watching Brian Jones interview him, and I was like, I was like, that's exactly that's exactly who she's going to hire. She's going to hire him. I mean, we're, I, you know, I, they're, they're not going to get they're not going to get Luke Fickle. He's going to go to USC. And Kalen DeBoer is going to get hired somewhere this year out of Fresno State, uh, even after the loss to the Fighting Rainbow Warriors. But that's where she's going to go. He's going to have like an 11-1 year next year. So he'll be hot. He'll be a hot commodity. And... Just a matter well, of whether or not he'll a, want to leave after year two. So, if I can repeat a sexist joke that Sway had, <laughs> he he said, you know, she'll have to make the tough decision to to fire Jimmy, but before doing anything else, she just have to close the door and have a uh, have a good little cry. <laughs> uh huh. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know what? It's, it's a shitty joke, but there's also probably a hint of truth to it. So, I mean, she cried when Peterson stepped down, so she admitted she cried. So, yeah. Well, Dick, Dick Vermeil cries more than any woman I, I know, so I don't know. It, 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 it. <laughs> well, you know what, but the, the – uh, what was it? The wide receiver coach that I mistakenly thought was the offensive coordinator for Ohio State. Um, I had heard his name and heard good things about him, but that's all I know. But you know, hell, if we could bring him in, I, I'd feel so much better about that than what we have right now. So, yeah. Again, I don't even gonna, it's, it's going to be the Boise State offensive coordinator, or you know, it's going to be something. <laughs> yeah, don't. Don't it's going to be super. It's going to be super lazy. It's, you know, it's going to yeah. you're going to you're going into you're going into the store to buy to buy uh, ribeye steaks and and you see the chuck steaks that are ten dollars cheaper and you're like ah fuck it I'll, I'll just I'll just buy these and pretend. <laughs> someone who's proven themselves as a head football coach in some capacity. I mean, we're on the third time we're hiring, you know, promoting an internal coordinator is a, 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 not a Lambert was an immediate disaster, but quietly it kind of was. I mean, it has to be someone who has coached football. Uh, you know, Sark worked out as a coordinator, in my opinion. Uh, okay. Or w- for what they needed, but they have to hire someone who's coached football. I mean, Jimmy clearly, does not know how to, I think, run a program. Uh, or you have to hire someone who's a complete roll of the dice, 
like a Chip Kelly type situation where you're like, the only way this program is ever going to like take off again is if you try something completely different and it really works out. I mean, if they go higher, yeah, like another thud or a Jed Fish or like, you know, a Carl Durrell type situation, it's over. It's, you can't like, they have to either, you know, find a way to get like a fickle type guy or, you know, or they have to go find someone who's completely doing something different, like a Chip Kelly in 2007 situation where it's like, we're changing the game a little bit and, you know, we're, we're going to self generate our own, our own stuff, or we're going to completely flame out. Uh, we can't just hire. Yeah. You can't hire like, uh, who would they hire? Like Tim DeRuder or someone, some like coordinator in the conference, our Boise state's offensive coordinator, just as like a complete John Donovan, Bob Gregory situation. Maybe they'll promote Gregory. Probably that's the, the family <laughs> of uh, We'll get all excited. They'll fire. They'll fire Jimmy Lake. You know, at the end of the season, we'll be like, "Holy shit! I can't believe they actually did it. They did the right thing." And then they'll be like, "Well, uh, no one wanted the job, so we're promoting Gregory. He went from like about to get fired to suddenly he's the head coach." He signed he's a, like a the, five-year, twenty million like dollar the, deal and three years guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, he's like yeah. the. Uh, uh, he's he's like the. Uh, <laughs> the Dick Cheney of, of football coaches. He's Bob Gregory. is like, I'll go out and search for the new defensive coordinator. <laughs> Trust me. A month later, he said, I didn't find anybody. So I'll be the defensive coordinator. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe Bob Gregory knows where all the bodies are buried. Yeah, yeah. Bob Gregory. Or, he's, or he's got yeah. the compromising photos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, I, I I guess we'll wrap things up here, but uh, I guess one final quick question just to just to bounce off you guys and see what you have to say. Why do you guys think that the Pac-12 conference from top to bottom is so – it's just embarrassing. It's so it's such bad football. Why? Yeah, you know, dude, go dogs tea. I got to shout him out. He posted that at like midnight. And I knew we were <laughs> already going to kind of – I knew we were already going to kind of talk about it, but I, and I was going to reply, but I was like, ah, I'll just, I'll just point him out on the on the pod. But I don't, I don't know. I I think it's the I think it's just the the want to and the drive to be, to be great, and there's just something in the there's something in the conference that is, I don't know, trickled down to. To everywhere where it, the football doesn't really matter. It was the making money or something that mattered. And, you know, the Larry Scott sucked. And, the you know, the media in 2016 seemed like, oh, God, we can't let Washington or a team like Washington ever be in the, you know, the conversation for the playoffs. So we're just going to shit on every single team on the West Coast until kids just don't want to go there anymore. Maybe that's just my my bitterness conspiracy theory coming out, but <laughs> But I mean even USC like is acting they, like they USC. USC is acting like Cal now. I I know, but they see they had that they had that whole rape scandal. That's the thing about 
oh, they kept, you know, Clay Helton around too long. They couldn't fire him. They had a uh, – he signed a humongous contract. God, who was there? Uh, was Lynn Swan before this new guy? I think it was Lynn Swan, right? Signed him to yes, this yes, as, big deal, this AD. bad contract. And then they had – all while they had this uh, this – you know, this horrendous gynecologist, you know, uh, rape scandal, like a quarter million dollar rape scandal. And it's like, point it out on, point it out, ESPN, point it out why they can't fire him. You know, like, it's a bad, it was a bad contract. Don't just say like, oh, he's, he, he's got to go. He's got to go. He's got to go. Like, don't blame Clay Helton. He's signed a great contract. Oh yes. <laughs> While the yeah, uh, you know, among the the stupid athletic department there. That's why they. That's why they're in in such a bad hole right now. Yeah, I think. I mean, that, to me, it's like most things when things go wrong. It's like ten different things converge. But I think that cultural you know, that cultural drive thing in the Pac-12 is completely, in all the programs except, I think, Oregon and maybe, like, Utah, uh, who just aren't geographically, demographically set up to be powers. But, uh, you know, so they can only go so far usually. Um, I think, yeah, you look at USC culturally, a program like Washington and the conference as a whole just isn't that committed. And I think culturally also shows, that, like, yeah, USC with that that doctor thing, um, that that really messed them up. But for some reason, that's never the school's fault. It was kind of like the pay-for-play scandal, you know, of these kids getting the USC and Stanford where, you know, the people who were doing it were – everyone was made a villain except the school for some reason because we protect universities. I don't know why. But that's it. That's culturally. I don't think the schools care enough. I don't think they're committed enough the way, you know, the SEC schools are and the big-time Big Ten schools. I think they – you know, they're kind of in this weird place now where I think college football, big time college football and having these big stadiums is almost like, you know, uh, a liability to them where they're like, shit, I got to go. I got to try to get people into. You think Anna Marie Kelsey is excited to try to get 70,000 people into a football stadium? And <laughs> I think a lot of that stuff, a lot of that stuff is their own culture, too. You know, when you work, you get to these silos of your peers, and I'm sure all the people mm-hmm. who are presidents of Pac-12 schools now, they don't want to go to the, you know, stupid conference and, you know, talk to their peers and be like, well, they're not talking about college football. They're probably talking about how they just wish they didn't have to deal with it and, you know, laughing at making fun of the SEC schools and Ohio State and stuff who are, you know, still invested in it. That's what happens, and it trickles down to the things of, you know, shitty coaching hires, who are the coaches in the Pac-12, uh, and honestly, you know, the last three programs to me that in the Pac-12 that were really competing on a high level kind of just, you know, they had weird coaching hires that were really good and worked out really well. I mean, Oregon, you know, <laughs> Oregon won the lottery in a way that could have been the world's worst disaster by committing to Chip Kelly twice. Uh, Stanford got, uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh, who was just an incredible, you know, stroke of luck to hire him. Um, Washington got Chris Peterson, you know, to, to truly to com- come to Washington and truly be into it for a while, which was a gigantic, you know, maneuver, which I don't think that really kind of stuff happens very often. I don't know if he would have coached anywhere else other than Boise State. I think he only came because 
randomly his dad was a huge Husky fan, and I don't think he wanted to coach at a program like that. So that's the last three. I'm, I'm rambling. But <laughs> the coaches suck. <laughs> you look at across, the coaches suck in the Pac-12. That's another thing. And, you know, the, the players are leaving for other schools out of the region, and they're not getting replaced by anybody. That's not happening anywhere else, you know. Uh, Big Ten country, SEC country, they're not, you know, they're getting, you know, good West Coast players, and they're not losing, you know, players from Florida and Ohio and Michigan to, you know, USC, Oregon, and Washington. Uh, it's not happening. So there's got to be a way that trickles down is like the third part to me is the players. That, that was never the case. You know, back in the day, all those players would be on USC, Oregon, and Washington. We'd have, you know, the, the Pac-12 teams would have those best, all the best players in the West for the most part, other than occasional rare guy who would be like, I'm going to go play at Michigan or Notre Dame or something. Yeah. You know, the, uh, the, the whole head coaching thing is they, they always, uh, everybody's always like, Oh, you need a guy with West coast ties, you know, for recruiting sake and yada, yada, yada. And I, I, I think that trend has to be bucked at some point because, um, you know, if you look around the the West at, you know, any young, there's just not a lot of young, like, up-and-coming hot coaching commodities. And, and you know, where did Chip Kelly come from? He came from, you know, New Hampshire, you know. Seemed like he recruited, you know, D'Anthony Thomas pretty well, right? So... You know, I I think I think you just have to go, you just have to go somehow outside the box. Like you, you you know, you think that Coastal Carolina coach would come over here and coach? You know, he's probably like, oh, I could I could win the Pac-12 easily with my, you know, with my scheme and my, you know, <clears throat> coaching abilities. You know, I don't think I I don't think you have to stay West Coast anymore. I, I think you've got to try to hit a home run any way you can. And if that's hiring a guy from, you know, fucking Vermont, <laughs> like, <laughs> like if you think he's a good coach, then just hire, hire the guy, you know. Well, like I said a few weeks ago on the boards, um, you know, go get the uh, – this is me just dreaming, but go get the both the athletic director and the head coach from North Dakota State and bring them in. Give them five-year contracts. Exactly, contract. they just keep cycling through the, like they've just got a proven winner in a, what is it like the fourth least populated state in the country or something? It's yeah, know. and their current coach has only been there. I think this is his third year. Um, so it's, he's not the previous guy that was there, but he's continued to win and. Uh, and, and the athletic director, I, I was reading about him a few weeks ago, and there's just, just all these uh, glowing plaudits about him and how wonderful a job he's done there. Um, you know, but I mean, if you're a Husky, if you're a Husky fan, and let's say that you love basketball equally to football or close to it, I can't say that I do, but there's a lot of people out there that no. do or would feel that way. You, what do you have to look forward to? You Nothing. know, because the the football team's going in is in the toilet, and and the, and the prospects are very dim. And then the the basketball team is looking like 
you know, are they going to win five games this year? I mean, it's <laughs> it's just it's a travesty, and yet and yet Cohen, you know, will, the calendar will roll over into 2022, and Cohen's still going to be here, and um. You know, who cares if the gymnastics team wins a title and the UW tweets about it or whatever with pride? I don't care, you know. Nobody cares if we're going to be, uh, you know, if you're involved with gymnastics, you care, but, um, or softball or. Sorry, uh, Yella, even if it's, uh, you know, the crew team or whatever, who cares? You know, it's like, it's a football and basketball thing, and uh, there's nothing to look forward to. They're both absolutely dumpster fires, and that's what it is. And if we want to compete, it's not that hard to put a plan together and get some people in place that can do some, you know, at least give you a fighting chance. And if you don't care, you're just going to continue to do the same shit you've been doing. So there you go. Sorry, Yellow, if that's yeah. too depressing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey. <laughs> I think my positive is, if you want to keep some positive is, I still – I still feel like the Pac-12 is so bad that, you know, I, this is in no way a prediction. This is not what I think, but, you know, the Huskies, okay. are, not, the Huskies are not dead. I mean, these teams are so bad. The quarterbacks are so so bad in middling. Uh, the other coaches are so bad in middling that we're not – Washington is not dead yet. I will turn that around when they get beat by 24 at home against East Play and Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who couldn't complete a pass against Arizona – is going to be – he's going to go, like, 25 for, like, 20 – no, he'll go, like, 12 for 14 for, like, five <laughs> touchdowns and not and not throw an interception. And then he'll run – he'll have, like, eight – he'll be, like, Case Garbers. He'll run for, like, nine back-breaking, like, third and 11s where, you know, it's going to be the confounding thing. Which, when Washington goes bad, they become confounding where it's, like, UCLA has this great run offense. They're, some, they're somehow going to, like, shut down – Zach Charbonnet and UCLA's run offense, but they're going to give up like 15 back-breaking plays to their pass offense in like scrambles that kill them. So that's my final word. And then true to Willie Doog's Willie law, uh, the next week Thompson against Oregon will throw like five interceptions and they'll lose by four <laughs> touchdowns, right? Oh, that's exactly what happens. Oh, guaranteed, yeah. Then the next week he'll play Oregon – yeah, and UCLA will be in the game, have it have it tight because their run offense is killing is thrashing Oregon. But then DTR will just throw like seven horrendous picks in the red zone in like two pick sixes and give the game to Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, any any final thoughts before we put a pin in it? Hi, Duke du jour. <laughs> <laughs> You want to stay on her good side. And, <laughs> Shout out to Auburn Dog. And her, 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 her mesmerizing signature gift. <laughs> <laughs> and Auburn Dog has suddenly popped up like mushrooms after a rain. So he's, I don't know how long he'll be, uh, he'll be around, but he's posting on the boards. So. Well, until he gets offended. Which probably won't be too hey, long. Hey, but, come on uh, over to come on over to Hardcore Husky. There's some good stuff on there. And then I get a text about a half hour later. <laughs> Holy shit, you guys are the most offensive people on the planet. 
You know, I'll I'll be in a store in Woodville and I'll run into somebody and then they'll you know the hardcore husky will come up and they'll just say it's so they go I, I looked at the boards and it's like so at odds with uh, with how they know me. <laughs> so and it's like I don't know how to explain that, but you know we're, we're filling a need, you know, um, and then. Um, I don't think she'd mind me saying, and this was this was like a, this was a year ago now, I think, maybe a year and a half ago. But uh, the mom of uh, Cage Skank, uh, uh, I was talking to her at uh, Barnes and Noble, and um, and she said that she had Googled her because her. Oh, I should say this: her son played for Woodenville, and and uh, he's now uh, a defensive a freshman defensive back at Eastern Washington. And uh, she had Googled his name, and then Hardcore Husky came up, and then there was all these. <laughs> comments on there about people, you know, ripping on me for saying good things about him and ripping on him for being a quote unquote midget and this type of thing. And, and, uh, she wasn't mad at me or anything, but it was just like, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. But, uh, uh, I will say this though, that kid is one of the most athletic and tough kids and athletic too. Somebody, I don't remember who it was, was calling him a tryhard whitey or whatever. And, um, he, he's a phenomenal He's a phenomenal athlete. And it's just it, it's just too bad he's not six one or something. He'd he'd you know be at a, at a you know I don't know what to say Cal or UCLA or something. But anyways, um, all right. Well, we'll we'll call it a day with that one, and uh, and then we'll talk after uh, next week's loss to UCLA. <laughs> Guaranteed. Did you say good. Did you say Cage Skank? Yep. You don't remember me talking about him on the boards. <laughs> I thought you were talking about a stripper. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll say this. Okay. Uh, I covered I covered him and his uh, sister, who's uh, now a, a, a star point guard for Northern Arizona. And, and I remember uh, sitting courtside at the state playoffs down at the Tacoma Dome, and I had the, uh, what was it, um, Spokane Valley fans were right behind me. And uh, whenever her name was being mentioned by the PA announcer stuff, and you could hear the snickering in the comments, and I wanted to go into the crowd and start swinging. But, <laughs> uh, you know, just one of those things. It is what it is. So a couple of great kids. So <laughs> good stuff. Go Woodenville. So, <laughs> yeah. And uh, who did they, they beat somebody last night to go to four and two, I think, but uh, I don't cover them anymore. But anyways, we'll call it, uh, we'll call it a day with that and we'll talk again next week. All right. So okay. see you guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to the hardcore Husky podcast. This show is copyrighted material. In other words, stop plagiarizing our shit, fuckos. So please tell a friend and rate us five stars on iTunes, especially you cheap bastards who don't donate. It's the least you could do. Yeah, I'm looking at you, creepy coog. And come join our fun at over at hardcorehusky.com. We've got Husky Football, Yellow Snow's Record Shop, and our notorious Tug Tavern, which is which is a shit show of politics and strange nudes. And if you enjoy yourself and are ready for the next level of cyber peyote, peyote come join Swain's Wigwarm. <laughs> I'm going to have to read this over. Swain's Wigwam, yeah. Swain's Wigwam at Navajo Nation's gift to college football. It's also the official private club of hardcore Huskies. We're talking boobs, guns, and inside information. All for the low, low fee of $129 a year. Come join the fun. <laughs> I'll have to redo that one, but...